and welcome to the Making of an Exception podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired, to gain new perspective on life, or is aspiring to live out their faith in whatever field they find themselves in. Each week we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have, and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our goal is that you'd hear this story today and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. Hey, this is Kurt Graham, and you are listening to the Making of an Exception podcast. And today we've got Jeremy Bardwell. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Kurt. Uh, you, I, I barely know you, but you are a hero to many. <laughs> I'm serious. Wow. Everything that I hear about you uh, is uh, what I wish people would say about me. Uh, I'm just kidding. My goodness. (laughs) No, uh, seriously, I know a little bit of your journey and and a little bit of who you are and watching from a distance. Uh, But Tissel, our producer, uh, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, he is in close relationship with you. Um, The way that he talks about you uh, is amazing. The, the level of creative genius, uh, the level oh my of, goodness. uh, care that you put into people and relationships, yeah. uh, is inspiring. And so, uh, Jeremy is, uh, for those that are listening, Jeremy is the CEO, president, founder, owner of, uh, honest <laughs> media. That's it. And, uh, which is a creative agency. Uh, am I saying it right? Creative agency. Yeah, right. full service creative agency. So mm-hmm. offering design, graphic, motion, web, um, I'm sure plenty of other things, social. Mm-hmm. Um, and you started that in Minneapolis. Uh, but you're really uh, starting a community of artists, community of creatives uh, yeah. that are kind of rallying around this. Uh, not, I hope this doesn't belittle it. It's a brand that you've creative, created that people are kind of flocking towards. Mm. Um and I love love seeing it. It's not just about the business and the deals, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a lot of purpose behind it. And I, I love seeing that. And so uh, today I'd love to hear your story and your journey. Yeah, man. And uh, your husband and father as well, father of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I have wild kids. Yeah. Would love to hear how that, uh, came about, not came about like the, I, I mean, we all know how that happens, but yes. saying five kids, uh, sure. you and your wife, uh, choosing to have five kids. I think that's awesome. Uh, and Tissa was telling me about going to your house and it's, it's wild. So absolutely. There's never a dull moment. Yeah. How long have you been married? I've been married for 11 years this year. Congrats. So, yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. Made it past 10. Did you guys do anything cool on 10? Well, uh, we were just moving to Minneapolis, so yeah. hey, that's pretty so cool moved, for that's super cool ten year moment. But uh, I think we maybe we went out to a hotel, or maybe we got uh, a great dinner somewhere. Yeah, great. Yeah. We need to we need to do basically what I'm saying is we need to do the big trip or something like that. Yeah, that's I like th- I we weren't able to do that, you know, last year, but maybe this year. Yeah, but you were moving five children across the country, so it's huge. Dude, it was a wild trip. So, um, I'd love for you to talk about uh, Honest Media and and how that started and kind of yeah, it's full service creative agency. But what are yeah, what are you building right now? Some of the things you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. Honest Media 
uh, really has been like a 12 year journey mm-hmm. for my wife and I. And uh, we got our, you know, uh, this journey started for us in missions and ministry. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was, you know, sharing with you a little bit before we, we started recording, but, uh, you know, really what I saw in ministry was this big need, uh, this unmet need uh, for branding, marketing, and communications. Yeah. And just that essentially, you can reach a uh, hundred people in a room preaching, but you can reach millions of people online. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I saw this massive opportunity, but also this, you know, uh, nobody was rising to fill that void. Yeah. And so as I got started as a young man doing missions, uh, I wanted to change the world, you know, yeah. and, uh, was just wanted to make an impact as big as possible with my life. Yeah. And, uh, that is still kind of like the guiding, you know, thought there. Um, and so I just saw that nobody in my social circles, at least, was arising to this place of uh, communicating the gospel and communicating the message of Jesus on media and through branding and even yep. taking some of our initiatives that we were doing, uh, training schools, mission trips, things like that. Nobody was marketing them or putting them in front of more people or utilizing social media, those types of things. And so it was out of that void that existed that I just went like, I kind of rose my hand, you know, and was just yeah. like, well, I'll, I'll do it. Like I'll yeah. arise and, and, you know, try branding. I'll arise and, uh, try marketing and, and social media and community building through online tools, things like that. Yeah. And, uh, dude, one thing led to the next to the next and, uh, basically a 10 year journey that went from the, uh, the snowy hills of Alaska with three students in a DTS, which is like a YWAM training school. Uh, so very small things in the beginning, all the way to, you know, in 2016, we were the brand managers of a 350,000 person gathering in Washington, D.C. Wow. And, uh, you know, saw Lindy Conant, uh, who's a musician, you know, be the number one of the Billboard charts. Um, and some of these other, you know, just indicators of just massive wild movement and growth over those 10 years, uh, really through a team of people, but through this emphasis of like, we need to be excellent in our creativity and in our communications to reach this next generation. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, that's really where honest media springs out of was out of that desire to change the world, the desire to use, uh, channels that are present uh present for us uh for the gospel yeah do you do you think that uh i'm i'm guessing i know the answer but do you think the church uh missions uh nonprofit organizations kingdom-based uh bible-based um do you think that we can be on the cutting edge or do you think we'll always play catch-up um meaning that um what you saw, I think a lot of people see that, that we, the sometimes the church can lack in communications design, being on the cutting edge of media, online tools, all of that. Do you think we can, I mean, obviously you've created a business to help solve that. Do you think we can get there? Yeah, absolutely. I really do. I do not subscribe to the idea that the church needs to be antiquated or will always be uh, behind the times. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first description of God in the Bible is uh, of him as a creator. Yeah. And so that's a pretty crazy thought. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, even at other times in church history, 
the church has absolutely led the way in culture shaping. Yeah. Which in the Renaissance, yeah. you know, or in other times. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say, you know, maybe in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, maybe, you know, the, the Christian expression as we know it in the West maybe lost a little bit of its swagger. Yeah. Lost a little bit of its confidence. Although you I know? remember some sweet T-shirts that said like "Fear not" Ooh. and "God's gym." Not and of this so world. Who, yeah, not of this world. Who was making those? Oh, that was whoever we they find, were. I we need to find learn that. Dude. I need to learn from them. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm serious. Actually, like the maybe the church wasn't doing a great job, but that guy, whoever did those T-shirts, was killing it. I think, but absolutely crushing. Yeah. So yeah, your goal is to kind of get back to that. In that the the church, uh, missions organizations, uh, movements can we can get back to being the cutting edge, leading the way creatively. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like uh, myself, uh, our team at Honest Media, we don't even the name Honest Media is like an interesting thing. Yeah, um, and uh, you know I always say that Honest Media is not a claim; it's a goal. Yeah, it's a vision. And we are on the hero's journey, which is kind of that, you know, nine step process of that we're still familiar with, you know, of, uh, you know, a leader becoming who they're called to be. Yep. Um, we're on like the hero's journey towards this vision of being honest in media and being telling the truth in media. Yeah. Um, and so I don't see us as leading the way as the as the church right yep. now in culture, in media. Yep. Um, I think there's, you see manifestations of certain groups yep. that are rising and it's like, whoa, that's, you know, really fresh and new. And those guys are really taking this serious. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the church is kind of on that hero's journey, uh, you know, yep. of self-discovery and, and, uh, and arising and, and learning these new tools. But I think absolutely, you know, uh, God wants to reach the world more than we do. I love um, that. Yes. And so he is eager. His eyes are searching to and fro for those that will utilize these channels and tools that are available to us uh, for his kingdom. Yeah. You know, I always uh, I always think of the Apostle Paul and, you know, what would he have done with social media? I mean, you think of the book of Acts and essentially yeah. this word of mouth viral movement. You know, you talk about books like The Tipping Point. You talk about books like, you know, these kind of, you know, cool books about like uh, social movements and things like that. Yep. There is no social movement that is more uh, intricately complex and amazingly led than the early church that has led to where we all are now. <laughs> yeah, well, there's nothing and that has lasted that long. That's right. And so, I mean, could you imagine if let's let's frame Paul, the apostle, let's call him Paul, the movement starter yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. And could you imagine if Paul, the movement starter had the channels uh, that we have available to us to release the message yeah. of the gospel on and to shape culture and to inspire and activate young leaders. And I mean, yeah. so it's, it's really in my mind, uh, an incredible opportunity and almost responsibility um, that we have, you know, in front of us and this ability that we have to seize this moment in history. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like the printing press or other massive kind of technological advancements created uh, the opportunity for the gospel to go forward in yeah. a whole new way. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I really believe the church is, is getting it uh, and it's getting it faster than people think. Yeah. Wow. I love that you said uh, that you believe it's our responsibility 
it's not just our opportunity, but responsibility. It's a stewardship of the the great commission of reaching the world. How how do we steward that call? Um, and we have these tools available to us. A lot of them f- are free. Uh, that are just platforms out there that we can utilize, and you can put you can pump money into them as well to make them even more effective. Um, but to view it as a responsibility, it's to to in this day and age to to I know people that would that laugh at social media still. You know, like mm-hmm. it's like we're talking about two thousand seven, uh, and even before then, like but today, over ten years later, are still like think it's kind of fun and games joke like it's not as powerful as it actually is in the church you know mm-hmm. um yet i see other churches that are that are the cutting edge i believe are the cutting edge of media and creativity and uh sending the gospel forward and and even new ways to to do church or to be the church and to be community uh through online so i, I love that you said yeah responsibility mm-hmm. in the world it, is continuing to change. I don't. I don't believe that. Um, sorry, I'm talking for a long time, but I, I don't believe that. That you know, 2008 when Twitter came out, or whenever it was, 2005, uh, that that was the last big change. Uh, you know, it's like totally. it's still. I just like a couple of weeks ago heard about Twitch, the social media platform for gamers, where people film them. They film the game. Uh, there's people listening that probably think I'm an idiot the way that I'm explaining this, I, but this is how I understand it. It's you film the game that you're playing and then there's a camera on you, the player, right? Yep. and you stream, you live stream, yes. you playing the game. And, and these, now there's kids out there, you know, 10 year old kids that have millions of followers mm-hmm. on Twitch because other kids want to just watch them play video games. Yes. You know, and I don't know how that could tie into My son the is gospel. Yeah, really. And I mean, he found it out about these things without me ever guiding him to find that content. He just naturally through, you know, scrolling through Netflix or Hulu or these other channels, YouTube, uh, and just found these gamers. And that is where he naturally landed in terms of like his passion. He just, you know, he always just turns on and he's watching somebody play video games. Yeah, that that's the world we live in. I I, I hear things like esports, uh, meaning not actual like, you know, the way people watch LeBron or the way people watch, uh, you know, the NFL and, and are that much of it's such a big followership and, and fan base uh, eventually e like electronic, like gaming sports is going to be even bigger. You know, like mm-hmm. you're going to know who the best drone flyers are. You're going to know who the best gamers are, you 100%. know, and, and we're probably already there. I'm just out of the loop. Um, but it, yeah, that's the world we live in. And how could the church, how can the church be a part of that and use those platforms and tools to do some good and to accomplish a great commission? All right, that's enough of me talking, but I, I just I'm fascinated by the world that you live in and the passion that you have uh, for honest media and mm-hmm. to help get the church there uh, because I agree, I think we can do better um, and seeing what's possible and seeing what people are doing not for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, is just inspiring. Like, let's do that for Jesus. Let's do it for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, do do you have a uh, a story behind the the name Honest? I know you already said, hey, it's it's that's our goal. Uh, yeah. But, well, yeah. Why'd you call it Honest? Yeah. No, that's a that's a great question. I uh, was in Huntington Beach. Uh, this would have been two years ago, 
and I was having a prayer time. Honestly, I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm this holy guy or something, but it was just one of those uncommon moments. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've experienced these moments where it's just like the presence of God was just there. And it was like, you know, you don't feel like it's a duty to pray, but you're just like in conversation with God. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I was in my room and I was just talking some stuff over with the Lord and just praying. And, uh, you know, it was a harder season of life, different things like that. And, uh, I just as clearly as I've ever felt like I heard the still small voice of God, uh, this thought came into my mind and the phrase was, Jeremy, I have a revolution in my heart for every industry on earth. Hmm. And I just sat back and was like, wait, that thought just just came into my mind. I have a revolution for every industry on earth. And I had been studying Uber and how Uber has disrupted the transportation industry. I've been studying Netflix and how Netflix has disrupted the media distribution, you know, platform industry. Um, You know, all these massive uh, industry revolutions. Mm -hmm. And so I knew when that phrase came into my mind, the Lord was saying, I have a revolution like that in my heart for every industry on earth. And I just thought one, what a thrilling concept (laughs) Uh, that God has a revolution in his heart for every industry. Um, and then two, I went, I believe that. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't even need faith to believe that. Like, yeah. I know God, like, dude, you got ideas. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that would revolutionize, you know? And so I just remember sitting back and just feeling the presence of God, you know, just hairs on my, you know, the back of my arms just standing on end. Just, you know, one of those moments, it was just so real to me. And I just remember muttering under my breath. I said, what is your revolution for media and entertainment? Yeah, And as clear as, again, as I've ever heard the voice of the Lord, I just, this thought dropped into my mind and it was the word honesty. Hmm. And so again, kind of sit back, oh my goodness, how could honesty be the revolution for media? Hmm. Uh, How could honesty be the revolution for marketing, branding, advertising? Yeah. Um, Which is such an inherently kind of slimy profession, you know? Um, And how could honesty be the disruption Mm. as big as, you know, Uber, Netflix, or some of these other concepts Mm. for communications moving forward? And I, I, you know, I'm processing that in that moment. I'm thinking to myself, gosh, isn't that so true? Like millennials are so sensitive to media content. They're Mm -hmm. so savvy. Yeah. with media content. Yeah. You know, you don't need to like do the crazy trip over and fall to make them laugh. I mean, it can be just a facial expression and a little bit of awkwardness. Yeah. And the millennial is just loving it, you know, yeah, like totally. totally gets it, you know? Yeah. And so their BS meter is so high. Like, yep. you know, when you get, um, you know, a company that's like, buy our product, you know, and it's sale, 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 you know, they don't need to be hit over the head with this real intensity. Um, there's a nuance now to communication where millennials are hungry for honesty. They're wow. hungry for the real, the raw. And um, so I'm already just, I'm intuitively thinking that even kind of in that moment going like, even as a millennial, I'm drawn to brands that are like wow. real, raw, honest, authentic, yeah. those words. And I'm going like, oh my gosh, like honesty is the revolution. So um, it was about three weeks later than that. And again, I was just journaling during those three weeks. I was, you know, thinking about that concept. I was kind of looking things up about, uh, the future of branding, marketing, advertising, media communications. Um, 
And uh, I had a dream, actually, like at night, like while you sleep. Dreams, yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the dream, I was in Hollywood and I helped to plant a church in Hollywood in 2007. So okay. that's kind of another Not in the part dream. Of, right. That would have been hyper detailed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, in real life, in, in real 2007, we helped, helped to plant a church yeah. Yeah, in Hollywood. And so right. in this dream, I was kind of back in some of those social circles again. I was yeah. back in Hollywood there. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm the least talented person in the room. Hmm. But the only reason why I'm in this room is because I'm honest. Hmm. And because I have integrity and because hmm. I speak the truth. And yeah. um, I remember thinking that. And then all of a sudden the dream shifted and it was like a big black IMAX movie screen. Yeah. And in white Helvetica, I'm a designer background. And so I think yep. about the fonts and everything. Yep. But in white Helvetica bold on this massive movie screen, the words honest media just strobed. Boom, 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 boom on the on the screen. And then I just like woke up like, (gasps) and I almost had like the words honest media, like emblazoned, like in my vision. Wow. You know, I mean, it was just that kind of a consuming of an experience. Wow. And uh, so I I just woke up and was like, my goodness, like I've been, you know, freelancing for years. I've always wanted to start, you know, uh, a bigger agency um, or even a production house, something like that. Yep. And I just was like, honest media. I wonder if, like, I don't have a better idea. Maybe we should just do the dream. Yeah. Wow. And now you're doing it. It's happening. What a story. That's awesome. What a dream. It's amazing. White Helvetica. White Helvetica bold. Is, is that is that your, it like, is. The, the font of your logo and yep. everything? Word yeah. mark? It's so funny because we, you know, do branding, marketing, and stuff like that, and we don't even have a logo. It's just white Helvetica over black. Yeah, Honest great. media. Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if, uh, you know, to your point about the revolution of media being honest, I wonder, uh, let me, yeah, let me know what you think. I wonder if it's because eventually people aren't going to have a choice in that technology can go so far that, um, that they don't have the option of covering something up because everything's recorded, everything's public, there's no privacy, audio's advancing. And so who you are, you won't be able to put a front up because of, you know, the technology advancing. I don't know how to perfectly phrase that, but I, yeah. meaning that some people who are not great people, the honest, their honest life will, would be exposed. And, and so yeah. even some of that stuff comes out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the people that we thought were great are not great, you know, because of mm-hmm. technology advancing. So I don't know if you have thoughts to how that the honest revolution could come about. Yeah. I mean, I, what I, what comes to my mind is that I think people have underestimated honesty Yeah, as a viable and the most exciting pathway forward. Yeah. You know, I think in the past, you would almost think like, man, if I want to make millions of dollars, I'm going to kind of take advantage of people. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, let's study this for a second. Let's see who's going to be more successful in 20 years. The yep. guy who took advantage of tons of people or the guy who was honest and integral. Hmm. And let's do a case study. Yeah. I'll go toe to toe with you on that. Do you see what I'm saying? Where it's yeah. like, I think people have underestimated the power of honesty. For sure. To build trust to create healthy relationships, to uh, mobilize people because there's trust to be mobilized because yeah. you've developed a reputation of honesty. Yeah. Um, and I just go, I think what's best for people is best for business. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, that wasn't so much the case in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. You know, it was more the thought, you know, you think of Coca-Cola, um, it was more the thought that let's in, take advantage of human beings' inherent weaknesses mm-hmm. and we can just make tons of cash, yeah. you know? And so it's like sugar water, you know? People yeah. will love it, you know? And yeah. so they just make this killing, right? Coca-Cola becomes one of the most ubiquitously known global brands, Um and it's this sugar water, right? Yeah. Well, what's, you know, people just thought that's an impenetrable, bulletproof business plan. These guys are just going to crush it, you know, forever. But that's not the case. Yeah. Because now all these studies are coming out about how unhealthy Coca-Cola is. I guess people maybe have already known that for years, but it's becoming even more so well-known. Like yeah. soda is terrible for you. Yeah. And so all of a sudden Coca-Cola, their core product is coming under massive scrutiny and there has never been a generation who's drank less Coca-Cola than young millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. Really? They don't want it. And because they're not naturally drawn towards it. And so Coca-Cola is having this massive restructuring identity crisis. I'm sure led to, you know, where they're, uh, really investing heavily into, uh, naked juice, uh, smart water, vitamin Mm. water, uh, you know, kind of LaCroix type beverages where it's yep. kind of like a faint uh, flavor, yep. um, you know, but no sugar, those types of things. Um, and they're actually having to course correct back to what is best for people to go to the next level of success. Wow. So, um, you know, Facebook would be another great example of, you know, it's like they needed to monetize their platform. Mm-hmm. And so they're serving ads on their platform. Mm -hmm. But eventually the ads became so much that it was no longer what's quote unquote best Best for people, people. you know, best for the experience for the person. Serving the customer. That's right. And they fell out of trust with the general public. And there's other things, you know, politics and other things that have gotten in there that have created that. Um, And so, again, Facebook is having to course correct back to what is best for people to go to the next level of success. And they might take a short-term profit loss that they're now selling less advertisements or showing less advertisements on their platform, but the long-term gain of being, quote-unquote, honest or doing what is right um, is going to be what makes them a timeless company that exists for years. Wow. And so I think people have underestimated Hmm. the power of honesty. Wow. Uh, They've underestimated that that is the best way forward. It's not just like um, this, oh, look at this guy who has a cause or has something to say or a little soapbox to stand on. I'm going, no, I think that um, it is actually the most viable path forward for success. Wow. What's best for people is also what's best for business. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm a young man, you know, I'm 32. And so it's like, who, who am I to say, you know, I feel like that is the case that I'm trying to explore and make. Yeah. And, and not just, you're not just throwing it out there. You have, you're building a business right now based on that to try to prove it. Yes. A, a, the concept of honesty as a disruption. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. You know, as a revolution. Yes. Which revolutions are disruptive. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, I think about this, like in a thousand years, you know, there's a good chance Coca-Cola won't be around, you know, mm. or Facebook even mm-hmm. in a thousand years. I can't think of one thing outside of the, the church of Jesus Christ. 
now I'm 29, so I'm, I don't know. Somebody could write in and say, well, I know some. I can't think of an organization outside of the Church of Jesus Christ that's been around for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then I also think about the flaws that the church has had throughout the years mm-hmm. and what, what ha- you know, what is that underlying theme? And I, th- I mean, it's God for sure that the church has not been perfect. The church has not been the cutting edge always, mm-hmm. yet the church is still here. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much more powerful can the church be if we are the cutting edge and, and, and we are honest and mm-hmm. we are doing what's best for people uh, to the best of our ability by the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I'm not asking a question, I guess. I'm just processing. This is not a no, philosophy show. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, everything that you're saying is really making me think about, yeah, am I living a life that is best, best for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's times where I feel like I'm living a life that, uh, feels best for me, you know, or best for my family, you know, mm-hmm. but am I living a life that's best for people? Um, one of the reasons we call this the making of an exception is because what you're building and the way that you're building is an exception to the rule. Meaning that, uh, what you described about, uh, maybe Coca-Cola or Facebook is a lot of the creative world out there in that it's pretty cutthroat. Um, can be secretive, uh, so that, so that, you know, if you're learning things, you're not going to share it because you're in competition with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're building something polar opposite to that in that Mm -hmm. it's very inclusive. It's very Mm -hmm. community driven. Mm -hmm. It's honest driven. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but the, the journey of getting to this point, um, how did you become the way that you are? Um, and we can go back as far as you want, but uh, hearing your story, um, who you are is an exception. It's different than most, mm-hmm. you know, creative production house owners, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the goals that you set up are different than most places. So how did you become who you were? Um, is it attributed to your family mm-hmm. or upbringing or moments, you know, that you can think back to that? Yeah. And this was marking for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it really does start for me with some of my foundation with my family Mm -hmm. and uh, both my parents uh, are from the East coast and uh, they met at UPenn. So Ivy league school, both my parents are smart people (laughs) and um, they uh, got bit by the hippie bug is is the way that I describe it. My mom could sit on her hair. My dad had a massive beard and they just chucked caution to the wind and they were like, we're moving out West with our buddies. And so they went from Philadelphia and they kind of left that zone and they moved out to the Pacific Northwest hmm. uh, to an island in the Puget Sound called Whidbey Island. And they uh, bought a commune, an old inn called the Morris Farm Bed and Breakfast. And they turned it into this hippie commune that they called Paula House. No. No joke, dude. This is the coolest. Yep. <laughs> this is like, and, uh, let's just talk about this for an hour. No, yeah, sick. yeah. That's awesome. No, totally. Wow. It is so sick. And, uh, they subsistence farmed uh, for themselves. No. They had their own uh, farm zone. They grew marijuana back in the woods. Um, I mean, just the funniest, no. funniest stuff, right? And just like this is crazy. Um, my uh, uh, my parents lived in a refurbished chicken coop. That was their house. Um, and uh, my mom was an elementary school teacher. My dad's a psychologist. And so, and then there was like maybe uh, three or four other couples that they all lived in this commune together. Wow. And uh, they legitimately shared income like evenly. So everybody's no. income went into the general coffer and then got split evenly. 
um, to everybody that lived there. This is yeah. so hippie hippie vibes. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and they lived there for ten wow. years no. in that environment, and then when it came time for it to end, it literally just like three of the four couples all had job offers in Seattle, which is you know too far yep. from there. At like the same month, and they all just looked at each other and they just said, "I think this season is over." And it's then done. the season cleanly ended, and they're all still best friends to this day. No. Literally, these are like people that help like raise my sister and I. No. You know, yeah. And so, uh, wow. so incredible. And I know not everybody has that experience, but it was a really amazing experience. Nobody so, has that experience but you. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> and, awesome, uh, man. Totally. Wow. And then you know, so my parents, where do they move from there? Well, they move into a log cabin right on the beach in Whidbey Island in the Pacific Northwest. So I was raised most of my life in this log cabin. This is a movie. Hippie, yeah, hippie parents. Wow. And uh, so I think, so the reason why I, I say all that is not to make a long story, but is to show I have idealist roots yeah. and kind of nonconformist roots. For sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, my parents really drove that. And uh, my dad's a, a thinker, you know, and uh, is a psychologist. And so I feel like I've always been, he's now, my dad is now an Orthodox priest. No way. Yeah. So crazy journey for him from like hippie days all the way through his faith growing journey. Growing weed in the backyard. Yeah, growing weed in the backyard all the way through now to him being, you know, the priest of an Orthodox church and having gotten ordained. And anyways, just the craziest uh, wow. journey. But um, so why do I bring that up? Again, I think it's just drawing attention to... Uh, for me, it's never been just about business, but it's always been about the idea or the ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, reaching for uh, business that's led by values, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that's you're saying like why the church has been around for thousands of years and you can't point to other organizations. You know, it's because of the values. Yeah. You know, that's what essentially creates the timelessness wow. of an organization. And so, um, yeah, my, my parents having those core kind of, you know, stubborn values, you know, that they had as idealists moving out to this hippie zone. Yep. I think some of that grittiness is is in my sister and I, yep. uh, that nonconformity. And then, you know, all growing up, my mom really sewed into me creatively. Like yep. uh, she made sure I was in like these, you know, summer art camps or different things like that. Um, and uh, one other thing wow. I'll say is uh, my great grandfather, uh, had a hat designing business in the Hamptons and it was called Lizon is the name of the brand. And so he made hats for the Kennedys and uh, different things like that. And so I do think there's just like something in our blood of like just doing wild artistic stuff, Yes, you know? And, uh, you know, I probably couldn't hold a nine to five job. In fact, I I know I couldn't over time. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm just not wired. Yeah. Uh, you know, to do the system and, you know, and so I think in some ways this manifesting the way that it has is just because, you know, we've been trying to live true to our values, just trying to go for it. And it's come to life in this unique way. So, wow. Yeah. And I, you know, there's also the whole ministry background, Mm -hmm. which I know even probably this audience is, is a little bit more familiar with kind of that space, you know? And so just know that's, that's my background, you know, as ministry of the church, different things like that. So I like to highlight some of the things that are actually maybe a little bit outside the norm for a typical kind of Christian thought or different things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. YWAM, traveling the nations. My wife and I have been to like 25 different countries around the world. When did you meet your wife? We met in uh, Maui, Hawaii in 2004. Doing YWAM? Doing YWAM. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, you said you've been to 25 different countries. Mm Mm-hmm. 
married 11 years mm-hmm. and talk about your kids. You got five kids. Five kids. Cedar and Acacia are the twins. And Cedar and Acacia. Yeah. I, d- I don't know your kids' names until right now, and that's amazing. Acacia. Yeah. Acacia. Wow. Yeah, it's the wood they made the Ark of the Covenant out of. Yes. Check that out. Um, or people are always like, what does an acacia tree look like? Uh, you know, Rafiki, the monkey from the Lion King yes. lived in that tree. That's an, That's acacia. an acacia tree. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a cool tree. Right? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so Cedar and Acacia are the twins. Simeon is my son and then, uh, Meadow and then Francis. Wow. I don't mean this as an insult, but those are some hippie ish names. Well, Yeah. Definitely. It's the heritage. <laughs> it's the heritage. It's <laughs> well, coming through. <laughs> I, I actually, I love those names. Meadow and who's the youngest? Sorry. Francis. Francis. Francis Ocean. Yep. So I definitely had a lot of my friends come up to me. They're like, you know, there's a hip hop artist named Frank Ocean, right? I'm like, and his name is Francis, not Frank. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> no, yeah. we're, we're aware. <laughs> and how old are your kids? Uh, so all five kids are under 10. Under 10. Yeah. So wow. the twins are 10. And uh, then eight, five, two. Uh, what what has the journey been like in the last ten years? Uh, becoming a father, now fathering five. Uh, what are, what are some of the things you're learning? Because if you have five kids and they're all still alive, you know. So I, I'm just saying this because I'm a father of two. Yeah, and we're early on because our oldest is three and a half, and so just yeah, advice. But but just yeah, what are you learning as a father? Who do you hope to be as a father? Yeah. Yeah. Fatherhood is probably the number one journey in my life that has made me more like Jesus Hmm. in the sense that nothing has required more selflessness than being a dad. Yeah. Um, You know, or more patience, more fruit of the spirit. Right. Yeah. Than being a father. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Incredible. Um, I love having kids. I think it is also just, yeah, it's it's so intense (laughs) is the word that comes to my mind. Um, But in the same way, it's like, you know, you talked about earlier, you said, you know, I don't want to do what's just best for me, but what's like best for others. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you have kids, it really causes you to be outward focused. Mm. You're not, you know, you're not thinking about yourself per se, even though I guess you can say you're focusing on your family. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it really keeps you outward focused. And uh, I don't know if you've seen, uh, you know, or even if people that are listening to this have seen The Incredibles 2. I haven't seen 2 yet. Okay. Um, Well, a little bit of a spoiler, um, if I can. No, yeah, I don't care. Um, But uh, It's just going to ruin my life, so. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely go see the movie because it's got such good kind of parallels. And uh, But the the bad guy's name is Screen Slaver. And screen sl- slayer slaver slaver and it's like yeah the screens are kind of enslaving people right Got and it. so yeah you think of like iPhones and you know phone addiction Got and all that it. kind yep. of stuff right um, and pretty soon even the parents get enslaved hmm. by screen slaver kind of hypnotized by screen wow. slaver yeah and it's actually the kids that uh, have enough of the nonconformity and enough of just the wild intuition and ways, you know, how kids are, they're just different, yep. they just flow, you know, um, that they're able to not get hypnotized and mm. then to free the parents from the spell, essentially. Wow. And then, you know, the parents and that whole family kind of go to, like, free everyone from, from screen yep. to labor. But I just thought that was so 
cool yes. that the kids even were like what helped open the parents' eyes. Yeah. And uh, I can relate to that so much about how my own kids have really just opened my eyes to more of God's heart. And uh, so, yeah, my heart for fatherhood is that more men would see the joy of fatherhood and yeah. step into the responsibility of fatherhood. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that, you know, even some of the, I don't know which generation it is technically, but, you know, I think it's a little bit of a more traditional idea that dad is maybe not as present, you know, or dad yeah. is um, not as involved, you know, those yeah. types of things. And I think that what's best for people is best for business, right? Like, let's come back to that thought. Yep. I think there's a, there's a natural course correction that's coming into the family unit in yeah. the West where it's like dad is actually now, and then it's the course correction too of the empowerment of women. Yes. And I think there's there's coming an equilibrium and there is even happening now where there's a lot of like talk about redefinition and kind of, you know, defining that moving forward. But I think that essentially for men, the positive message there is, is like get involved with your kids, get involved yes. with your family. Don't, you know, and uh, so anyways, it's exciting. And so I feel like I am not leading the charge. I feel like I am just in that same moment where I am just with my kids going for it, crushing it forward, making memories, you know, uh, and doing my best to raise them and raise them to love Jesus and, you know, the whole deal. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's been no other journey in my life that has been more challenging, but also rewarding than yeah. being a dad. Uh, one thing my dad said is he, my, my dad had been a pastor my whole life. And then uh, a few years ago, stepped out of being a lead pastor and moving into education um, and is uh, serving at North Central University now in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, in, the, in the time in between, because he had done 20 or something like that, 20 years in ministry where it's Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And, and you know, you feel the weight and responsibility of being lead pastor of a church. Um, you know, or leading an organization or something like that. He stepped mm -hmm. out of that out of that weight, and I was asking him in the summer that he had off for the first time in 20 years. Uh, I said, hey, how's it going? And he goes, um, uh, no stress, n no responsibility, uh, and no fulfillment. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that he, you know, mm. sometimes when, when the responsibility is gone also is the fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way as a father that sometimes it feels overwhelming or I don't know what I'm doing and just doing the best that I can. Um, but I'll, but I feel so fulfilled and satisfied as a dad that, mm -hmm. man, this is the greatest joy of all time to be a dad. And um, I was also thinking about this right now because our daughter's eight days old. Um, and being like sleep deprived, and for me, for for me, congratulations yeah. by the way. Oh, it's awesome! Thank yeah, you. Dude. Thank Eight you. Eight days old. Oh my Eight gosh. days. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was feeling down, and then when I'm holding my daughter, just like looking at her, it's there's almost like this encouragement from her. She she can't say anything. She can't even hold her head up. She's barely opening her eyes, you know, she's mm -hmm. sleeping constantly. But uh, this feeling of like, it's going to be okay that I'm getting from my daughter that I'm holding in her arms, you know, like mm -hmm. it's just this crazy thing, this responsibility that I have to mm -hmm. keep alive. Really, my wife is doing the majority of it, mm -hmm. but keeping this child alive, I have this great responsibility. Um, yet there's this fulfillment happening 
while I hold her mm. and, and uh, healing moments too of like, it, it's going to be okay. And I'm getting that feeling while holding my daughter. It's like a mm. cool thing. Um, and you've got five of, five of them. Five. Which is awesome. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, when God gives you a test and you don't pass it, he takes it takes you through it again. No, I think that's essentially it. what that's happened. That's not true. That's you know, not true. Uh, no. Yeah, it, take, it took five to humble the old bard over here. I think here. biblically, uh, <laughs> biblically, when uh, in the story the, of the talents, uh, God gave five and oh. the guy multiplied it to ten. Oh, my gosh. The guy that had one and buried it, uh, Jesus said, hey, in the story, yeah. hey, you need to give that one to the guy that had five because he was faithful with much will be given more. Whoa. Uh, so just biblically, wait, what I'm saying is, wait, what? You don't know that story? No, I know the story, but All are I'm you saying, inferring maybe? No, I'm not saying more, 10 or 11. Children? No, 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 I'm not saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying is you did well with one and God gave you two. You did oh, well with two. Oh, that's it. Got so it. You've, that's so you've good, been man. a good steward. Who knows? Yeah. I'm not a theologian, but I might've butchered that story. I don't know. But anyways, I felt like it was real. That was it. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for backing me up. You, yeah, you. Well, okay. Uh, how did you get into the creative world? Uh, I'd love to just hear your journey, just for those that are listening. You know, young graphic designer, young yeah. videographer, young. You know, young. Uh, I think there's a ton of people even listening that that maybe they grew up in the church and they they just are the creative in their you know church. Maybe they're in uh, small town Minnesota and. Uh, the church they grew up in and they're the the creative and they're, the, you know, uh, even Tissel's journey, he just started helping videos and his church, you know, it's like, uh, there's a lot of people listening that would be in that state. How did you, how, do, how is your journey from, from, you know, first, your first designing moment to now you're, you own a creative studio. It's amazing. Yeah. And help me land this because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you'll get what I'm saying. Yeah. So help me with this. But uh, I really would say to young creatives that they need to be more like Jesus in hating religion. Mm. Yeah, great. <laughs> and so this is this is what I'm saying when I when I say that is, you know, you you saw Jesus be very harsh towards the religious. Yes. And very uh, loving and merciful towards the lost. Yep. Um, and so I think if I was to encourage a young creative in the church, church and believers is different to me than when I say religion or mm -hmm. religious. So I almost define that as like a bit of a spirit or like yeah. something negative, religious spirit. Yeah. And so the religious spirit functions to come against the revolutionary mm. um, and to basically stop change yep. and to separate relationship. Yep. So what I would encourage these young people is to develop a distaste for the religious spirit, hmm. but develop a love for Jesus Christ <laughs> and his message. Yeah. And you're going to have to have both to be a true revolutionary. Yeah. You're going to have to have intense love for God and intense hatred for the religious spirit. Yeah. And to be able to have impact in the faith community, in my opinion. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you can do a good job just designing PowerPoint slides. Neato. You know, you're a graphic yeah. designer. Good job. That's cool. Um, but if you want to, like, change the world with your gift, mm -hmm. get close to God. If you want to change the world with your gift, get in prayer. Yeah. Spend time in the presence. Yeah. Uh, if you want to change the world with your gift, 
do not let old ways of thinking confine your innovative spirit that God has given yeah. you. Um, and uh, all that needs to be done in diplomacy, all that needs to be done in love, that comes through you know time, experience. But that's what I would say to a young creative is, you know, work hard. <laughs> it's like some of the cheese ball answers yeah. right now. Work and hard. Work hard, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things that's coming to my mind, so so love God, hate religion, the religious spirit, you know, that that with that that wants to slow the speed of change. Yeah. Because creativity is creating new things, right? Yeah. And so the religious spirit in particular has it out for creative individuals. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've never thought about it like that in that creativity or creating something is actually change in and of yes. itself. Uh, whether it's nothing to something, mm-hmm. that's change, you know, mm-hmm. or it's something into something better, mm-hmm. that's change. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you're being creative or you're creating something, you're changing something. And what you're saying is the religious spirit goes against change. Yes. To slow it down or to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, you didn't need landing that, by the way. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but the Holy you, Spirit. Yeah. No, no. You, yeah. It was awesome. Brings intense change that yeah. can change whole nations. Yeah. Change whole wow. societies. Yeah. Um, so I would, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I would say to young creatives that want to use their gift for God. And I would say study the, study those that are really good at yep. their skill. Yeah. Okay. So hear me out. So don't just study. I read tons of books that are about loving Jesus. That's yeah. like an aspect of my life. Yeah. What I'm going to, so do that. That yeah. has to be there. In addition to that, if you're a creative and you want to be great, you got to kind of study the greats. Yeah. And like just know who they are. You know, somebody said to me the other day, they're uh, not the other day, but when I was a young man, they said, if you want to become an amazing artist and designer and kind of industry disruptor, communications guy, like who's your hero? And I couldn't name one. I couldn't name somebody that had done it before. And I'm like, wait, I'm definitely not the first human being on the earth to like, you know, want to be great with communications branding, you know, and, yep. and uh, artistry and those types of things. And so it was actually a little bit of a process to go like, I don't know who my heroes are in this space. So I had to kind of get to know some of the names, you know? Yep. Um, and so I would even challenge, you know, a young creative to find some names, like figure out who some of these people are who have been yep. uh, incredibly innovative and uh, creatively excellent yep. uh, over the years. And uh, that'll expand your mind. Here's a, here's a name, Jeremy Bardwell. Yo, that's Jeremy, it. Jeremy, that's it. There it is. That's what I was looking for. Woo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Bardwell. They're they're learning right now. Oh wow! I think it's I think it's great advice. And to your point of, if you want your craft to change the world, get close to God. Uh, and it's in again. I'm not a theo- theologian, but John chapter 15. Uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Go there. Abide me and I in you. Uh, th- that's how you're going to produce lasting fruit. Preach it. Um, and that's how you're going to change the world. You already preached it. I'm just re-preaching. That's it, dude. Just re-preaching. John 15, abide in the vine. Yeah. You can do nothing apart from me. I'm going to start a podcast Woo. called Abide, abide in the Vine. Oh. <laughs> abide in the Vine. Actually, I'm going to plant abide a church. Abide in the Vine. <laughs> I'm planting a church called Abide By in the Kirk Vine. By Graham. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a gonna pleasing and nice. soothing podcast <laughs> yeah. that releases on Sundays. There's no music in on the it? Evening. Yeah. In the evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> For those of you that like Sunday night church. Yeah. Uh, 
there's no music involved. It's just uh, streams of water underneath. Just oh, interesting. Trickling water. A yeah. babbling brook. Babbling brook. Yeah. So this podcast is <laughs> off the rails in the best way possible. So for those of you that can't see, Tissel's in the background. Our producer. Face palming. Face palming. Yeah. He's losing his mind. <laughs> so, man, I just, I love it. Uh, what what are the things, here, here's a couple questions. What are the things to you, um, and you've talked and alluded to a lot of them, uh, but what are the things that matter to you uh, outside of honesty, but uh, in regards to legacy? So I think a lot of, mm. you, you said, you said you, from a young age, you wanted to be great. Um, you wanted to change the world, um, mm. which mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, I think there's a lot of people, including myself, that I want to do well with what I've been given, and I want, I want to make a difference outside of myself. Um, but part of that, there's there's part of that that is selfish, but in a good way that is motivating. Meaning that it's selfish because I want to leave a legacy. I want to do something. Uh, the Bible talks about that it's good to to pursue a good name. To a mm. good name is is. Is I forget the right verbiage, um, but mm. it's it's more profitable than striving for other things. So mm-hmm. let's go after a good name. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it compares to riches actually. Mm-hmm. But pursuing a good name has to do with legacy. What are the things that matter to you um, in regards to leaving a legacy? How how what are the convictions that you live your life by? You've already said you know being close to God, but. How do you do that? You know, you've already said be, being honest. Um, how, how do you do that? You know, it's not always easy to be honest. It's not always easy to, or we don't always want to be close, be close to God. I'm not always, even as a pastor, I'm not always feeling it, you know? Um, so what are some of those convictions in regards to, uh, yeah, leaving a legacy? That is a massive question. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think about how to... Uh... I didn't know how to whittle it down from from what I had in my mind. So. No, it's so good. And I'm trying to think about, you know, how to respond to that question as a 32-year-old man thinking about legacy. Um, and, uh, yeah, what I'm being drawn to just thinking about is um, going to sound like the cheesiest answer ever, but I'm, I'm going to go there. Yeah, please. Um, but is uh, to fight for love, hmm. Jesus' love. Yeah. Um, and that every human being on earth would have the opportunity mm-hmm. to know Jesus's love for them. Yeah. And have that transformational experience accepting Christ and, you know, not accepting Christ out of fear of hell, but accepting Christ out of the thrill of adventure, of finding out who you were really created Say to that be. Again. You know, what you just said about hell and also adventure. I, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, if God created Adam and Eve to live in a garden called Eden, which is, you know, Eden means pleasure. He created people to walk in on the earth in relationship with him. And that, that was pleasure. That was yeah. to be, that was perfect. It was Eden, you yeah. know? Yeah. And essentially what you have is you have, humanity lost and broken and to me a salvation encounter with jesus is not so much about being saved out of fear from hell but is to be reconnected to your purpose 
for yeah. being alive in the first place, which is yeah. to walk in deep friendship with God. Wow. So if my legacy could be about pushing forward the church into another season um, in this generation, you know, pushing forward, do my best um, to reach as many as possible um, and to push forward the message of Jesus's love front and center. Um, that's, I think that's, that's, that's it. Wow. That's great. When you, when you say church, I, I, I know, you know, there's people listening that, that when they think of church, they think of local church. Um, there's people that listen, they think of the church is just the body of Christ, just people that are loving Jesus. For you, when you're saying, I want to push forward the church, uh, yeah, what does that mean? What, what does church mean when you're, th- when you're thinking through that, like your life goal, pushing forward the church, um, encouraging just believers uh, to get us on you know, the forefront, the marketplace everywhere, or is it specifically to helping advance the local church? Yeah, I love the local church. I don't, and when I think of the word church, I don't think of the local church yep. as like what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, when I think of the word church, I think of like a global body of Christ, yep. which is all who call on his name. Yeah. And uh, not just call on his name, but then make him Lord. Yeah. And uh, are living their life. Uh, you know, to represent Christ to those around them. I mean, that's the church, right? It's, yep. it's, uh, we're little, we're ambassadors, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, of heaven and yeah. we're restoring Eden across the earth. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that's what I think of when I think of the word church yep. and pushing that group forward, um, isn't so much just about congregations or, um, you know, those types of things but it's about the worldview of that entire demographic across the world and how can we reach that audience and encourage that audience um, and uh, encourage the body of Christ across the world, Uh, mobilize the body of Christ across the world, challenge the body of Christ across the world. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, maybe even uh, get some campaigns that, that, take out some of the things hindering the body of Christ around the world, Yeah, you know, uh, from a cultural standpoint. I, I don't know how it all goes. I mean, I definitely think of, uh, of myself as a communications strategist. Yeah. Um, and so I would love to be a part of the conversation, uh, pushing quote unquote, pushing the church forward, uh, yep. where, you know, we're really able to shape culture and move things in the direction that God wants the world to move in. Yeah. Great. That's what it means to me to push yeah, the church no, forward. That makes sense. That's awesome. And I love how big the vision is. The vision is global and the mm-hmm. vision is uh, generational. It's not overnight mm-hmm. and it's not uh, Minneapolis. It's it's the global body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And God loves that. You know, mm-hmm. God, yeah, for sure. God wants more Christians, obviously. So it's like anybody that comes alongside that same same goal and Mm -hmm. to make the body of Christ, the church more effective Mm -hmm. is amazing. What is your favorite part of what you do? Um, Cause I think part of it is having a, having a global vision like that. Um, uh, Is, is your favorite part living in that future space or is your favorite part 
um, have anything to do with the day to day of building what you're building. Yeah, that's so good. I think um, my favorite part of doing what I do is that I am a visionary, but is that I get so much energy off of helping people with their visions. And so it's almost like, uh, you know, I would tell people uh, back in the day, it's like, I don't want to be known by what I did, but by who I released. Wow. And uh, I think a creative agency is such an interesting position to be in. Because I'm not necessarily saying that honest media is the answer, but I am actually able to work with other visionaries and make them the answer. Wow. Do you see? Yeah. So uh, that is like one of the most exciting things to me is uh, I have a general vision, broad, you know, values based, those types of things. But then God has a vision too and births people. Yeah. on the earth. God has a, God has a dream and then wraps flesh around it. Yeah. It's called a person, yeah. you know, and, uh, in that person is, you know, their innate contribution that no other person in history could carry, but them. Yeah. And so my, my most favorite thing is discovering that in a person or in somebody who, who comes to us, who has a vision, yeah. they want to start a business. They want to start a movement. They want to uh, affect a cause in a certain way. And then I just come to life knowing that the part that I can help them with is communication strategy. Yeah. And uh, how to, and business strategy. Yeah. And uh, how to bring their idea to market. Yeah. Um, That's the most exciting thing about what I get to do. Yeah. And you do it, you do it every day for multiple clients, multiple people. Mm -hmm. I get to see, um, you know, again from a distance but i know people that you have you have helped change their life and help mm. bring their vision to reality even the fact that mm. you're on this podcast is helping us get this vision uh to reality i mean you're you're here help helping make it happen you know oh dude um but i feel a similar call to you in that uh, i think the creative agency that you're building is really uh creating a, a platform to launch other people's vision. That's which it. Is amazing. Mm-hmm. And the goal of this podcast for Tissel and myself is to create a platform to share other people's stories. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I'm inspired by what you're doing um, mm. in serving others. What you're building is serving others. Mm-hmm. And the Bible's pretty clear about if you want to be great in this world, Mm-hmm. become the greatest servant of all. And I think that that is an overwhelming theme just as you're sharing your life journey, um, how you are a husband and father and a business owner is it's all based on serving other people, you know, mm. um, how do you, and, and we'll wrap up in just a second, but how do you stay refreshed in all of the serving uh, yeah. In, in all of your giving out, how do you, um, stay filled up? Yeah, no, that's so good. Um, I want to answer that from more of like a, a human level, not even like a spiritual level. Cause yeah, I think great. like, like, uh, you know, how do you stay filled up? You know, I could say like, well, it's important to have devotions and, you know, and I, yeah. I do all those things and, you know, the disciplines, spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Um, and so for sure, but how do I stay refreshed in the midst of all the stuff that I do? I really like integrating 
refreshment into your day. Everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) and that's actually, I'm laughing just because, uh, you know, we call it fun and fierce, you know, creating a culture that's fun and fierce. Yeah. And uh, sometimes people get a little disoriented even when talking with some of our team because one second they'll just be like sarcastically kind of intimate, you know, imitating a funny character. And then the next second they're like talking about a super deep spiritual truth or a really important kind of business decision, but then flip right back into like the sarcasm and the funniness and and all that kind of stuff. And so it's this kind of flickering back and forth between being fun and fierce, you know? Yeah. And so I just believe I just have seen this to be true, uh, that the Bible says, uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yep. And so I just, uh, you know, or in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Yeah. Right. So if you can, how do you stay refreshed? If you can get his presence, yep. it's all about his presence. It's all yep. about him, you know, and putting him at the center and in him is the fullness of joy. And then that joy is your strength. Yeah. And so we just have such a value and a stubbornness towards joy. Like we yeah. just are, we're, we refuse to get knocked out of the joy car. Yeah. Like Great. I'm not going to, you know, like even with crazy stressful business decisions or different things that could happen or, you know, um, I just try to stay really joyful. I don't, I'm not always successful at that, but Man. it's the, that's how I think, you know, to roll forward, to bash through all the walls that you're going to bash through as a reformer or as a revolutionary, you're going to go through a lot of pain, a lot of misunderstanding. You're going to go through jealousy. You're going to go through betrayal. You're going to go through any of the number of human things that can happen. Um, you'll probably experience at least three of the five, you know, or, yeah. or whatever, you know, you're yeah. going to have pain in your life. And so I just think that it's super important to be in the presence mm-hmm. and live in joy you embody it so well because uh the the conversation that we had yeah you're so much fun and (laughs) and yeah to me i would phrase it like let's let's work harder than everybody else and let's have more fun than everybody else yes and and to the point of being revolutionary and being disruptive i think the old train of thought which is, is is kind of a religious mindset in regards to it doesn't like change they would probably view your the workplace and environment that you're creating as uh, sometimes like, hey, we're wasting time. Hey, this is ineffective, all of this. But you're like, you're saying, no, it's actually the most effective thing that we can be doing in this moment is having a blast. Yes. And, and it's not wasting time. It's the best way to spend our time so that we stay energized. Absolutely. You're breaking all the rules, man. Oh, I love it. Let's 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 break them. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, yeah. as we close, uh, and before we close, I do I do want to say thanks so much for being on the podcast. Bro, thank you so much and, for having and me and sharing Kirk. a little bit awesome, of your man. story. Uh, for sure, yeah, for sure. Um, you're somebody that I want to continue to yeah build, build relationship with, um, and I look up to you. Uh, just oh, hear dude. your story. Look up to just who you are and how you your your worldview, um, your mindset in change um, and creativity but also community and it's people based. Mm. You started the podcast by saying what's best for people is what's best for business. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a pastor. I just, I think what's best for people is also what's best for the local church, you know, the local church campus pastor. And I I think if we focus on people, what's best for people um, 
and 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 also family. You talked about family. Mm-hmm. What's best for me stepping in and being a dad and being a husband sometimes is what's best for the church as well. The Bible talks about that. Um, and so I just love your outlook on life, mm. how you're having so much fun, mm, uh, but you. you're also being disruptive <laughs> uh, in the best way possible. That's part of the um, fun. <laughs> totally, yeah. And and so I just appreciate you so much. And thanks for being here today, sharing your story. A couple questions. One would be, what's your favorite book of all time? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to just say the Bible. I know that was yeah. the, the, <laughs> That's the, one the that dumbest, you, can't say. you know, no. yeah, that, if I was obviously, you know, and if I had to do a different one, I would say The Giving Tree the by Shel Shel Silverstein. Did they, did they make that into a movie? I don't think so. That's a children's book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. It's different than The Giver. <laughs> Oh, right. The giver. Totally. It's so totally. Funny. I, yeah. As I was asking the question, did they make it into a movie? I thought, nope, this is the giver. They yeah. didn't make it. Yeah, okay. The giving tree. The giving tree. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, one piece of advice to anybody that's following in your footsteps. You're, you've given a bunch of advice already, uh, but just as we close. Uh, I would say to stand out, uh, you're, you're probably not going to be able to compete on skill out the gate. You're probably not going to be able to compete on a number of levels, but it's about passion. So the thing that is the quickest differentiator is passion and uh, passionate about Jesus, passionate about changing the world. And so I think young people, my advice for young people, young creatives, people listening right now is your pathway to greater success isn't always about skill set development or isn't about doing something better. It's actually about getting more passionate for Jesus. Wow. And people will see that in your life. And there's an X factor. Uh, when you're with God and you're glowing, if you will, yeah. uh, with his love and his presence um, and under his leadership, there's an X factor that comes. Yeah. And so I would just encourage anybody listening to this or any young creative or young leader, get with God. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Get passionate, get wild. Get with God. Uh, how can people find you? Ooh, um, uh, me personally, I'm on Instagram at uh, Jeremy Bardwell. Uh, Honest Media is on Instagram as well, which is at Honest underscore underscore Media. Double underscore. Double underscore. And then our office space, which is actually like a co-working studio. Yeah, it's our point of view on the future of work. Um, it's called Honest Studios, and uh, you can also follow that. Uh, on Instagram, which is at honest underscore underscore studios. Studios. Uh, if you are into websites, uh, we got those two guys. So that's a really big thing. Um, the <laughs> big honest development. Media, this is a huge moment right yeah. now. We're launching this website. No, it's actually already launched, but I'm launching it to you right now, which is www.honest.media is our honest media website. And Great. then www.honeststudios.com. Got it. You can check those out. What if you just gave your home address? Just get lit. <laughs> those this is websites. where you can find me, and here's my home address. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. my social security yeah, number just, is uh, eight four. Oh no, Jerry, stop! Yeah. Tissel's tackling me over here, pulling me away from the microphone. <laughs> I love it. We do sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Bardwell, thanks for being here. We love you, man. Thanks, dude. This was awesome. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere else podcasts are found. 
To stay connected with what we're doing, you can follow us on Instagram at Exception Podcast and visit our website at ExceptionPodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Tuesday. If you know someone who's an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Shout out to our producer, Tissel, and my name's Kirk Graham. Until next time, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace.